0: There we go, it's like a magic trick. Um, before we get started into the Word, I want to let you know Shasta Van Sickle, give us one of these. She's headed on a medical mission trip <clears throat> this week with Handfuls of Hope. This is your third time doing something with them, and Kiko, who is the, our missionary friend that um, we've grown to love and, and many of us support, he uh, he's part of Handfuls of Hope. Just a great, great ministry. So I'm going to pray for Shasta and her team and for our time together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for hope. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for the abundant life that you've provided. Uh, I want to pray for uh, Shasta and her team. We cover them in prayer, Lord, that they would have a Traveling mercies go before them, uh, getting to the Dominican Republic as well as coming back from the Dominican Republic. I pray there be unity in their team. I pray uh, against sickness and things of that nature that they would be able to go and serve as precious people of the DR, Lord. And God, as we start our week, we want... To experience that fresh start that you give, Lord. The fresh start of hope and grace, and we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you that we're, we're free from the mistakes of the past, and we're empowered in the present to move into the future with your grace and your joy. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting, those who are broken-hearted right now, Grieving, Lord, you're the comforter. And I pray for your your comfort and healing over every relationship that needs healing, every body that physically needs healing. And Lord, just emotionally and mentally we would walk in your health. So open our ears to hear what it is you have to say today, Lord. Again, as I say all the time, we don't need to hear from me. So I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you. Through Your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, who finds it kind of funny sometimes when you're on your phone and you're trying to text somebody and it autocorrects on you? This week, I was texting Ryan Opeka, and I thought I text, can you chat today? <laughs> and after I hit send, I looked and it said, can you tin pot today? can you tin pot and those are funny and I was starting to think though wouldn't it be good for those of us that put our foot in our mouth sometimes if we had an autocorrect that literally for the words that we say sometimes yeah amen thank you Um, today we're going in a little bit of a new direction with our teaching on Sundays for those that haven't been around very long since Easter of 2022 we read through the whole Bible and just finished through the the, the Old and the New Testament. And it was 365 days to to find Jesus, is what we call what the Bible plan was. And on Sundays, through the through while we were reading through the Old Testament, we would teach something from you know the Old Testament. Look at the highlights. And then starting at Christmas, we went through the New Testament through not the New Testament, the Gospel of John, and highlighted that. So now that we're post-Easter, we want to keep this going in where we have a a greater understanding of God's Word when we handle it, when we read it for ourselves. And so starting today, we're we're looking at whosoever believes now. We called the last series, For for God So Loved, this is whosoever believes. And we're going to look chronologically in the New Testament, starting today in the book of Romans, at crescendo verses or passages in the rest of the new testament it's going to take us through the summer and i'm looking forward to it because i think we're going to grow continually in our walk and our understanding of god's word one thing if you're interested on our youtube channel the novation church youtube channel where our messages our uh, services from sunday always upload on monday we uploaded some videos where I have, was privileged to teach a New Testament survey course, and uh, all, I went through all the books of the Bible. A survey is like the 30,000-foot view of a book so that you can handle it better when you're reading it and you understand some of the main things that are going on. Those are up for you now as we're going to journey through the New Testament this summer if you want to watch those. Um, Hopefully you get something out of it. The New Testament is 27 books. You got four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have one historic book, which is the book of Acts, which is the, the history of the early church. And then in the book of Acts, you see how God transforms this guy named Saul into Paul, the apostle. Saul of Tarsus was a man who persecuted the early church. He was a religious terrorist. He thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians and arresting them and and was going to stamp out this new new way. And just like Jesus, he takes someone who's at total enmity with him and he transforms him to be uh, his mouthpiece to take the gospel throughout the known world and that 's what Paul did. He went on several missionary journeys, and they 're recorded in the book of Acts to the very places that he went to, the cities and He would always go into the synagogue and he would tell the, the Jews about the gospel through the Old Testament and what Jesus had done and then he would go to the the non jews as well, and he, they blew up the world with, with the gospel, transformed the world and when he would plan a church he would he would stay with them for a period of time, and then he would write a letter to them to encourage them or to educate them as they were growing in their understanding of, of Jesus. Well, thirteen of those books for those letters for sure make up part of our new testament the letters that he he wrote to the the Romans, the Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, and so forth. These are letters he wrote to specific people that we get to benefit from. And so it's important that we understand how to read that. The other eight or nine books in the New Testament, two were written by the Apostle Peter. Um, John wrote uh, his gospel, plus three other letters and the book of Revelation. And then Jesus' two half-brothers, James and Jude, their letters also made it into the New Testament. So today, to kick this off, we're going to start in Romans. And I'm still saving the planet. That's my new thing. Um, so important when you're reading the Bible or listening to someone preach is the word context. Context. We, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, If you just take one verse and say, yep, the Bible says so. I mean, they tried to justify slavery because Paul acknowledged that they were slaves in some of his letters. Not realizing, you know, that they were working off a debt versus being taken against their will. But people tried to justify slavery with that. So context is this. It's three questions. Who wrote it? Who did they write to? And why did they write it? Who wrote it? Who did they write it to? Who was the audience? And why did they write it? In the book of Romans, Paul dictated to a guy named uh, Tertius. We find out in Romans 16 that he told him what to write because Paul, his sight was going bad at at points where he couldn't, couldn't write on his own. The audience is the church in Rome. Paul had never been to Rome. So how did there become believers in Rome so quick? We got to go back to Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost. Remember, the day of Pentecost is where Jesus told the disciples to go wait in the upper room, and that He was going to pour out the Spirit and birth the, the church. Well, on the day of Pentecost, there were there were uh, Jews from all over the known world because of the dis- dispersion that happened you know, years before, and they chose to stay in those cities. And that's where Paul would go into those synagogues. But they came and they would journey for for the, the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, and celebrate it. It's an Old Testament, a book of Moses celebration that the Jews did. And it says in Acts 2.10 that there were visitors from Rome, that were that were present they witnessed the outpouring of the spirit they heard peter preach the gospel and thousands of people became followers of jesus and so those new roman those new jews that lived in rome took the gospel back to rome and they started a church so paul is knew about this and so he's writing to them and got this letter to encourage and educate them The book of Romans might be the clearest explanation of the gospel ever written, or a commentary on the gospel, like a deeper understanding of it. Today, we're going to be in Romans 8, verses 31 through 38, and it's the crescendo right in the middle of the book of what all Paul is trying to have us as believers understand. In chapters 1 through 8, Paul is just laying out the gospel, the truth about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us. So we're going to look at that. I'm going to read from Romans 8, 31 through 38. He says, in the face of all of this, let me pause. Most translations say, therefore, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to know what it's there for, Right? where's Steve when I need him, but, but it's true in light. The therefore means in light of all of what I just told you, listen. And then it's kind of listen in kind of deal in the face of all of this. What is there left to say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that did not hesitate to spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Can we not trust such a God to give us with Him everything else that we we can need? Who would dare accuse us whom God has chosen? The judge himself has declared us free from sin. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ, and Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Can anything separate us? From the love of Christ can trouble, pain, or persecution, can lack of clothes and food, danger to life and limb, and the threat of force of arms. Indeed, some of us know the truth of the ancient text. He's quoting Psalm 44. For your sake we're killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we win an overwhelming victory through Him who has proved His love for us. I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, nor messenger of heaven, meaning angel, nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today, nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high, nor a power from below, nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. I mean, pff, later, let's go home. I mean, what else needs to be said if we embrace that, if we believe that, if we take that to heart? Paul gave five rhetorical questions there that we're gonna, that's going to be the meat of, of the rest of the message. And what I see saturated in this passage is grace, 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 and more grace. And His grace is enough his grace is enough because of his grace because his grace is enough we can count on five things in these rhetorical questions the first one is we can count on his power you can count on his power grace god's grace is the power to do what we could never do on our own are you in a troubled marriage grace will give you the power to, to walk in that relationship if you're in a, in a troubled situation. Grace, the power to do what you could never do on your own. Is there a calling to ministry? Is there a calling somewhere where you just go, I don't know if I can do this? Well, His grace is enough. It's the power to do what you could never do on your own. Here's the first rhetorical question he said. If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, Our oldest daughter, Chase, who has baby Jolene, and they're coming out in a few weeks, so whoop, whoop. The very first verse I had her memorize was this verse because I wanted God confidence instilled in her as a little toddler. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And I can still hear her little sweet voice going, if God is for us, who could be against us? And I was like, I still say that to her, and it's like, It was adorable, but it was getting in her heart. Here's the deal. God has no rivals. He has no equals. No no one or nothing compares to God. God is on your side. You can't lose. If God is for you, no one can be against you. In 1916, the Georgia Tech football team beat Cumberland College 222 to zero. Here's the proof. Check this out. That's basically scoring every play almost, 222-0. Brian, would that be a butt whooping? Yes, he's nodding his head yes. That is a world-class butt whooping right there. But here's the deal. I got better news than Georgia Tech. Jesus had a victory over our enemies of sin, death, and the evil one. That wasn't 222 to nothing. It was infinity to nothing. If God is for us, who can be against us? 1 John 4.4. 4. Uh, John says, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world, meaning the evil one. Greater is he who resides in you than who resides in this world. We're going to have times where people are against us. We're going to have times we always have the evil one who is against us. But God's for you. So who can be against us? This past week, um, somebody wrote something on the interweb about me. That was a total fabrication. It was untrue. And uh, anybody who knows me knows that what was written is not true. Um. But it still was written. Thanks. You know, what do you do on that? Scott, if God is for you, who can be against you? If somebody's against me, God's for me. And I want to remind you of that this morning. You may be at enmity with somebody, or somebody's at enmity with you. Somebody may be coming against you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If you have name the name of Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you already have a target on your back. And the more you're in like leadership or a different role, the bigger the target. It comes with the territory. If they slandered Jesus, who was sinless, we're going to be slandered. We're going to be not always thought perfect of. God's on your side. He's got your back. How many know that's good news? Second thing, we can count on His provision. We can count on His provision. Grace is God providing for us. He's a gracious God. He's a generous God. He's a perfect Father. And we got good dads who provide for their families. They provide for their kids. How perfect is the the provision of the Father? Here's the second rhetorical question. He that did not hesitate to spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Can we not trust such a God to give us with him everything else we need? We have all we need in Jesus. We have the full benefits package from the Father in his Son. All Everything that is Jesus' spiritually, he has shared with you and me. He's shared with us. I think sometimes we're asking God to provide something for us that He's already provided. Think about this. Let's say somebody says, I bought you a new car. And they pull up to the front of your house, the place where you live. And they get this brand new vehicle. And here's the key. Here's the title. It is in your name. You own it. It's yours. Would you say to that person, can I get in it? Can, can I drive it? <laughs> you know, you wouldn't say that. You would grab the key and say, thank you. Well, sometimes we, we have that posture with God, like, can I really ask you for these things? Did you really share with me? And I think he want, he's glorified when we live in, in the full benefits of who we are in Jesus, and that we, we recognize that and we thank him for it. In Jesus, God solved our biggest problem of sin, death, and the evil one. In Jesus, he did that. But then he gave everything that's his as well to us. That should cause gratefulness in my heart. Gratefulness to instead of complaining or fear or worry to just know He's He's going to provide. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Meaning, when when I pursue my joy in, in God, in the Lord, his very desires become mine. It's it's not, hey, delight yourself in the Lord and and he'll give you that Maserati or that Porsche. That's that's not what that means. It's he will give the desires of your heart will be his desires. You'll be walking in his, his will. In the New Testament, there's at least 20 times, mostly from Jesus, where he says, ask of me, ask of my father ask, 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 seek, knock. Uh, Paul in Philippians 4.19, he tells the church, he says, my God will supply all your needs. My God's going to supply your needs. Notice he didn't say wants, but I don't think it's wrong to not to, to pray for wants. I mean, we'll trust his will to be done, but he says he will provide for all of our needs. We just need to learn to trust him. Third, uh, because of his his grace is enough, we can count on his protection we can count on his protection. Yes, all the points are going to begin with p. We preachers have to do that, but um, grace is his protection against the accusations of the evil one it 's his his protection against the accusations of the evil one here 's the third. Um, rhetorical question. Who would dare to accuse us whom God has chosen? The judge himself has declared us free from sin. The title Satan means accuser. That's what that word literally means. The word devil means uh, slanderer. So he's the accuser and he's the slanderer. To accuse means to bring a charge against someone. To bring a charge against someone. Remember the book of Job at the very beginning. Satan's going about the earth to and fro seeking, you know, someone that he can, as Peter says, devour. And he goes before the throne of God and he says, Your servant Job only serves you because you, your hand is upon him. And he's accusing Job to God, he's just always accusing. And he is always accusing God to us. He's always accusing us to us. You know, you hear the voice, hey, if God really loved you, you wouldn't be going through this struggle. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be sick. If God really loved you, that person wouldn't have betrayed you. Those are the accusing voices of the evil one that we have to say, no, I'm not listening. Then he accuses us to us. Hey, Pastor Scott. (laughs) Got to throw that in there because it ups the ante in some people's minds. If you're you're really a Christian, you wouldn't have said that, done that, thought that. And that's where we have to just... We have to learn how to refuse his accusations and his threats. You might think I'm crazy in the story I'm about to tell you, but years ago... um, I remember doing dishes, and yes, I do dishes still today. Who's a good boy? That's me. Um, I was doing dishes, and I was dreaming, daydreaming, about planting a church and what it would look like. I was dreaming of this. I was dreaming of the last eleven years of being together as a church family. And as I was dreaming that, I kid you not, you might think I'm nuts. I heard a voice say, if you do that, I will ruin your life. No one was in the kitchen. (laughs) And I remember going, where'd that come from? Literally looking around. And I realized it's the voice of the evil one trying to intimidate me. And he did try to ruin my life prior to, to novation, to planting novation, but what he meant for evil god has turned around for incredible good and he's blessed me incredibly in life and he's blessed like who knows but i'm thankful to god that he for his protection I had this thought on my walk the other day when you watch live tv you get commercials and those commercials are trying to get you to buy their product or buy into something And just because a thought comes into our mind, a negative thought of worry, doubt, lust, whatever you want to fill in the blank there, uh, we don't have to buy into it. Those are just the commercials of the evil one trying to get you to buy into something, trying to get you to think you're something that you're not outside of who you are in Christ. Don't buy into it. We can count on His protection. And then, because His grace is enough... We can count on His pardon. Grace is His forgiveness. It's Jesus was in our place. He suffered at the hands of sinful men in the ultimate plan of God to redeem us and to forgive us and to position us in Christ. Again, the word therefore is so important. It means in light of what I just said, therefore, at the beginning of chapter eight, it's uh, chapter eight, verse one, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. There is no pronouncement of guilt and there is no sentencing to, to follow. That's a good news. And we, we, there's no condemnation. And he's saying that at the beginning of chapter 8 because, man, chapters uh, 5, 6, and 7 are just this amazing truth about who we are in Jesus and what He's done. And He says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. We've got to believe who He says we are rather than the voices of false messages that are sent to us here's the fourth rhetorical question who is in a position to condemn only christ and christ died for us christ rose for us christ reigns in power for us christ prays for us if jesus is praying for you i'm pretty sure those prayers are getting answered (laughs) Whatever He's praying for us. He's interceding on our behalf. We need to believe who He says we are. Peter, in his letter, he says in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, Christ died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. It's a done deal. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 18, He says, whoever believes is not condemned. He even says before that, He says... I didn't come into this world to condemn it. I came to save it and save the people of this world. And then lastly, we can count on His presence. Because His grace is enough, we can count on His presence. Here's the fifth rhetorical question, and it's a little longer in explanation. But he says, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? I've heard people say things like, well, I can separate myself from Him. No, you can't. He's never going to stop loving you. Can trouble, pain, or persecution, can lack of clothes and food, danger to, to life and limb, the threat of force of arms, Indeed, some of us know the truth of the ancient text. Again, Psalm 44, verse 22. For your sake, we are killed all day long and we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Let me pause there. The psalmist is talking about Israel and their enemies always coming after them. And Paul takes that and says, that's us right now as Christians being persecuted, having people at enmity with us because we're following Jesus. And he says, no, in all these things, we win an overwhelming victory through Him who has proved His love for us. I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or messenger of heaven, nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high nor a power from below, nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. He's with you in the good. He's with you in the bad. He's with you in the difficulties, the trials, the hardships, the betrayals. He is with you. And what I love about Jesus is his honesty. In John 16, he said, guys, in this life, you're going to have trials and sorrows. No one's going to escape difficulty. He says, but take courage. I've overcome the world. He's overcome the world. He's overcome all this stuff. That's why we now are overcomers. You might be in the middle of a hardship right now. You might have failed and done something that you regret. You may be betrayed. You know what? He's overcome. He's overcome. I love this. Romans 8 starts with no condemnation. And then ends with no separation. No condemnation and no separation. Agree with Jesus. Let's agree with the Apostle Paul in all that he says and live in that freedom that he's provided for us. Live in the protection, the provision, the forgiveness that's ours because of what jesus has done um the worship team is gonna sing a song and just sit and reflect on what we just read in these five rhetorical questions listen to the words of this song and let the holy spirit saturate your faith let the holy spirit saturate your hope and believe and trust Him. It's not always easy, but He's trustworthy. He is trustworthy, and faith is trusting God.
1: the summer failure, God. You'll have every victory. You'll see
0: I wanted to do the background on the I Believe. I can't <laughs> Maybe we should do that real quick. No. Congregational. I. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? That's why I'm not on the worship team. Um, yeah. Amen. It's okay. Stay in your lane, bro. Um, yes, sir. Um... What can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Like, let's walk out of here in that reality. I know some of you are facing some tough stuff. Life is is trying to kick your butt, literally. Hang in there. God's for you. Lord, as we... Lord, as we have celebrated... Your goodness and the gospel today. Pray we leave filled up fresh and new. We can lay aside the struggles and the hardships and difficulties and walk in your power and your grace, because your grace is enough. And we trust you. Thank you for my precious church family. Grateful for all the relationships and people connecting with each other and with you and carrying life's burdens with each other and for one another. Lord, let hope arise in the face of adversity. Give us your eyes for people who might be against us or difficult or don't believe what we believe. Lord, help us to see people the way you do. You love, you love the world. You don't love the ways of the world, but you love the people of the world. And we want to be part of that, Lord. Strengthen us as your people today, Lord. Lord, Encourage our hearts, renew our minds, invigor our faith. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, how passionate you are about us. May you fill us with fresh and new zeal for you and what you're doing in our families and our friends and our communities in this church, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um.